0: Hi, and welcome to another Kirky Free Sermons Podcast. I'm sitting here with Pastor Josh. Josh, how are you? Good to be here, as always, Sean. Josh, our our sermon last Sunday was the last sermon in the mission series. Is that correct? That's right. So that's what people are going to hear today, is we're going to be kind of completing that, was it five parts, six parts? I think it was five. I think five is right. Yeah. yeah. So the five-part series on missions, mm-hmm. and you, I think you wrapped it up in a nice little bow. And I hope you, so. You ended it in Revelation, the yeah. last book of the Bible, which right. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that was real good. <laughs> Do you want to take us through where we were at in that series? Kind of give us the top-level overview of where we went?
1: Yeah. We. Um, well, you can see it. By are finishing up in Revelation, but um, we've gone now from cover to cover in five weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just neat to try and of trace the theme of missions throughout uh, the scriptures. So we began in Genesis. We we're in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, which is Abraham's call. But in that call, is a promise for all peoples. Um, so we begin to see the, uh, the origins of missions there, um, which is God's own thought and plan. And then we moved into probably the most familiar passage on missions, which is, the call of Christ, uh, the Great Commission passage, yep. Matthew 28. From there, we kind of developed um, that call in Paul's words in Second Corinthians that you are ambassadors for Christ. That's right. Yep. So that kind of helped us give some, okay, this is what my role is. Get some confidence, get some clarity. confidence yeah. and clarity. That that's was some, right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then um, where do we go from there? Oh, yeah. We went to Romans and looked at the necessity for missions. Mm-hmm. Why it's not something we can easily let go, right? And then we came. Uh, to, This is to the to the final week, which I really wanted to. Kind of helps us give the the end goal in mind, just that where this is all going in God's mind, yeah. And uh, to not feel that even though the world seems to be caving in and upon us, yeah. um, the gospel's still triumphant. And look where it's going. You need to know this, and uh, get fired up for what it. For where that's going, that is an
0: encouraging message because you can look at our the world around us and say things are falling apart, Mm -hmm. and I it's hard to deny that. It's hard to look at it and say no, they're going the right direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) it'd be hard pressed to do that. But the good news is, is this is nothing God hasn't seen before. Yeah, or knew about for Mm -hmm. that matter. Right, things have been worse. Things have been better, no Mm -hmm. doubt about that. Mm -hmm. But here we are. Yeah, Josh, when you started this. Series. You had a set of goals that you wanted us to go through or to learn about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of these would begin with a series like this would just be like the seeding, the seedling form, right, where yeah. it's just starting. Yeah. Um, and others we can begin to implement right away. Um, for example, empowering our missions committee to just to guide us a little bit more on the missions front. Mm-hmm. So recently we had our chairman on that on that board um, give us an update on one of our missionaries in yeah. the service. So just stuff like that. So we are aware, and we're praying with them as they're doing um, the works that God's called them to do.
0: That stuff is so great to get mm-hmm. those those updates because I think it gives you a, little, a much bigger worldview, mm-hmm. right? There's mm-hmm. stuff happen outside of our tiny little community, right? And it's uh, you know there are people in places that are worshiping other gods. Mm-hmm. where they're struggling with something completely different than what we struggle with here. Right. It opens you up. And I think
1: that's great. Right. That was fun right. to hear. Now we have a, we have a missions, um, what do you, what do you call it? It's um, the word. It's a missions statement. Well, we do. It's, it includes a mission statement. It's a missions policy. That's what go. it is. Policy, policy is what I'm looking at. And um, so that's, it's been put together for a while now. I wasn't familiar. I didn't know we had one up until recently. So I'm sure that much of our church isn't aware of it either. Yeah. So um, in that, it, it's pretty thorough. Some of it needs to be revised because it's a bit out of date. But um, they've really worked hard on on what's our priorities and where we're going to go. It gives us some direction. With um, like, for one of my goals is a fresh vision of the future of missions in our church. Sure. And we've done some really exciting things in the past. That was before my time. I know at one point the the church doubled their missions fund. Their giving is that right?
0: Just like in one year. Or yeah. They, they kind of had a plan to double how much they were given?
1: I think there was, well, there was something in front of them that uh, there was a great need, and and then they managed to to do that and then to keep it there since then. Wow. So, yeah, so, you know, that was something that happened in a, not that long ago. But yeah. where are we going to go from there? We have some missionaries, like, for example, that are retiring or going to be dropping off, and, yep. you know, who do you bring in? You yep. know? Uh, so that relates to a lot of that, those kind of questions. Uh, another one is clarity about the... The heart and the focus of missions what's it really about yeah and i think this message kind of speaks to that okay and there's one other goal but we'll talk about that at the end okay i think that we'll do that
0: yeah that sounds good why don't we get into the message now okay and then we'll follow up afterwards i got a few more things to chat with you about yeah okay sounds good
1: good morning everyone uh can you hear me okay Okay, I can hear you, so we're good. <laughs> uh, let, me, let me turn to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, may what we're about to do in turning to your word together be a continuation of our worship. Worship which did not begin when we sat down and began singing, or, Lord, will not end when we close our Bible and get back in our cars, but which will continue as you, Lord, saturate our minds, as you bring us to a fuller picture of your majesty, your glory, your worth. And so we pray and ask as we look upon your word today, it would leave us with a fuller picture of our dear Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever um, woken up in the morning to find that your eyes are glued shut and you realize, oh no, you have an eye infection? You ever get that? You get that gunk in your eye that just crosses over and oh, your eyes are weak and your vision is blurry. But sometimes... As of late, I feel as I look upon the world and all that is happening, I sort of feel like that's what my vision is like. There's so much gunk out there. And you know, if your only perspective, if the only thing that you're seeing and looking through is what you're hearing on CNN or Fox News or your Facebook homepage or your doctor's analysis... If that's all you're looking at, it's easy to see why your eyes would get blurry and dim. It's, and you begin to wonder, is, is God's purpose failing? Maybe not failing in the world, but is He failing in, in my life? Are we losing? Is it just us? Is it, and is it just our congregation left of those who have believed this good news that has been preached? What we need is a different lens, isn't it? You need a different lens. And God has given that to us. Now, what we've done in the, for the past several weeks is really in, in a few short, in a short time span, hit on the major passages that describe to us the, the biblical teaching on missions, right? And missions we saw is not just a small... Sidebar topic that's, um, relatively insignificant in the Word of God, but it's something that undergirds the whole story of Scripture. So missions is from cover to cover, right? And we began in Genesis. And today we're gonna end in Revelation. In fact, if you're gonna be in our Trace the Theme study, which is downstairs in the fellowship hall, you're gonna look at missions. It's the last week. And actually, with what we've done together, you are well, you are now well prepped to handle that lesson. Um, The call of missions, right? We looked at the origin of it. Um, We looked at the necessity of missions. Uh, But one thing that perhaps we haven't yet brought out is this, the success of missions. Do you know the Bible talks about the success of missions and why it will be successful? Okay, so today we're going to look at the last book. If you grab your Bible and turn to the book of Revelation, chapter seven, Revelation chapter seven, verses nine to twelve. Just stand with me. Let's read together. What you're about to hear is this is the end view. Okay, of missions. Here it is. Revelation seven, beginning with verse nine. After this, John says, "I looked, and behold." a great multitude that no one could number. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. You can be seated. One thing that I have observed about myself, and maybe you find this true of yourself, is that I often find that there's a massive chasm between what I know to be true and, on the other hand, what I see and experience in my everyday life. Because I see trouble. Right? You watch the news, you see hardship, difficulty, rejection, rebellion. It seems to be the ascendancy of evil things happening in the world. But I also know, right, that God is stronger, that God is sovereign, okay, and the gospel is real. So, regardless of what I do see, right, there's also a lot that I don't see. And sometimes I think the world and the devil don't want me to see. Namely this, that the gospel is resounding and will resound more and more. Okay, There are six things in this passage that we just looked at. I'm just going to observe with you today. But the first thing that John says that he looked and saw was this, right? The greatness of the multitude of this number, right? How many are there? More than he can count. More believers than can be counted. We sometimes tend to think a lot like Elijah. Do you remember him? Lord, is there any left but me? Right? It's just me. I'm alone. Who serve you? And what did God tell him? If I can paraphrase it. Will you stop it? Stop your whining. Elijah, listen, I have 7,000 whom you don't know about, who have not bowed down to Baal. So let's get on with it. Get back up. Get on your way. And you and I may not always see it or hear it, but did you know that there are people turning to faith in Jesus? That Jesus' kingdom is reigning right now, and it is growing, and it is expanding. I read this yesterday in Cambodia, which we are familiar with, because we support ministry in Cambodia. 30 years ago, there were an estimated 2,000 Protestants. Now, fast forward 30 years later to today, there are 300,000. One missionary who's been at work there in that country since the time of those killing fields, right when they massacred the people, since then he said, this is a missionary, when we can catch our breath, That's the kind of activity that God's doing over there. He says, when we can catch our breath, we just shake our heads and think, what a privilege it has been to watch God do what he's done up here. He said, it's a great privilege. Praise God. Does 300,000 sound like a lot? You want to count 300,000? But guess what? It's a blip to what John sees here. At the end all. Can you fathom it? Just, just think to yourself. An innumerable, innumerable mount gathered here. No one can count them. Okay. And by the way, folks, this is happening. It's happening right now and it's going to continue to happen. So I'm going to ask you to broaden your view. Stop moaning like Elijah thinking you're the only ones. We're not. Okay? We're not the only ones who have been jealous for God. God would say to us, listen, I have 300,000 in Cambodia today. So stop acting all dreadful. Okay, You think American politics will stop the gospel? No. You think communism will? Or poverty? Or threats? No. Missions, man. Missions ought to be the most exciting, uplifting, what? Privilege, right? Triumphal endeavor that we have the, not burden, but joy of joining. Now think about this. Right? Think about this number here. We began this whole study in Genesis, right? When God gave a promise. You remember some of that promises that God gave to Abraham? What did he tell his He said, Abraham, I want you to go outside. And he says, look up toward heaven. And he says this, number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. So here it is. Here's God's promise to Abraham. Of course, the true sons of Abraham are not his physical descendants, but those who belong to him by faith. So the promise is fulfilled in all of the people who since then have come to trust in Jesus Christ. By the way, those promises to Abraham go further than that. Because remember what he told him? He says, Through you, Abraham, all the families... Of the earth shall be blessed, Genesis twelve three. So the second thing that you see about this group is the greatness of their diversity. The greatness of their diversity. Look at this. They are from every nation, from all tribes and peoples, and languages. Okay, isn't this neat? That when you get to heaven, you don't just become one uniform people. You are one. You're united in Jesus Christ. But our distinctions remain. The gospel is not just for one people. It's for all people. What a great message. And some from every group among all those in the earth will be there. John uses four distinctions there. Do you see that? you got nation, tribes, peoples, and languages. Now, you know, he could have used more distinctions. He could have said and every family, and every clan, and he could have used even more types of distinctions among peoples, but he uses four, and four is a significant number in Revelation because it's the idea of completeness is there. Think of the earth, right? How many directions are there? There are four, north, south, east, and west. So the purpose of four distinctions is this, that the totality of it, every nation, every people group, Why is that significant? Because Jesus promised that the gospel is going to go forth. Before the end comes, the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. So what's God after in spreading the news to all people, to gathering together people of all kinds? Well, we're going to get there, okay? The next thing I want you to see about this multitude is this. Number three, the greatness of their posture. You see it there? What are they doing? From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing. Yeah, they are. there, standing. You say, what's the big deal? Sit, stand. Well, here's the deal. Look who they're standing before, right? Before the throne and before the Lamb. The throne, of course, represents the one who sits on the throne. And who's the lamb? Are there sheep in heaven? What's John seeing here? The lamb is a picture, probably the supreme picture, of Jesus, right? Who was our sacrificial lamb. So John uses these metaphors to communicate who this multitude is standing before. Now, here's the real significance of this. Just flip back a minute to the 6th chapter, okay? To the 6th chapter, verse 12. Jesus, and the Lamb, has been breaking the seals. And it says, When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. Now listen, for the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? Who can stand? Who can stand when God pours out his wrath upon the earth? Do you know who? Well, look at it here. This is the third or the the fourth thing I want you to see then about this group. Here's the answer to it, Okay. Notice this, the greatness of their attire, right? They're standing before the throne and the Lamb clothed in white robes. The multitude is clothed in white, meaning pure, right? Clean, holy. Their clothing is really a representation of their lives. Their lives are pure. Their lives are clean and holy. Do you know what it takes for... To clean up the sin of our lives. In order to be white, what must must you do? This is the irony of it. You have to get your robes stained. He said, what do you mean? Just look a little further down at verse 13. It says, then one of the elders addressed me, John said. And he said, who are these clothed in white robes? And from where have they come? Verse 14, I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. Now listen, they have washed their robes and made them white, how? In the blood of the Lamb. They've washed their robes. There's one thing and one thing only that removes the stain of our sin, okay? Downey won't do it, okay? Tide doesn't work. Okay, Even bleach is not powerful enough to blot out the moral filth of our sin. But when you wash in the blood of the Lamb, so what's that mean? It means when you trust in the sacrificial death and what Jesus did for you, you will be made clean. You'll be forgiven and then given, listen, a righteousness that's not your own. It is Christ himself. Okay, And that is the only way that anyone can ever stand on that day. In the righteousness of Christ. So you see their number, their diversity, their posture, and their attire. But there's more here, right? It's more about this multitude. Here's the sixth thing, right? They have palm branches in their hands. You know what I put there? The greatness of their celebration the greatness of their celebration. Okay, They have palm branches. In there. So what, what's going on? Is it Palm Sunday up in heaven? One thing about Revelation that you should know is that it is loaded with Old Testament references. And this is one of them. In Leviticus it says, And you shall take on the first day the fruit of splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. That was the occasion called the Feast of booths or tabernacles, okay? God wanted his people, Israel, to reenact what they had been through, right? God had brought them out with an outstretched arm from Egypt, led them through the wilderness. And so every year they were to go and to celebrate what God did, and a symbol of that was this palm branch, okay? So what's being celebrated here in heaven then? No longer what God did to the people of Israel, but... Since then, a greater deliverance has occurred, who was won for us by the Lamb, right? What Jesus has done for us is being celebrated in heaven, and so they have palm branches in their hands. And what does this delivered people do, okay? What does the Lamb delivered them for? And here's the last thing I want you to see today, the greatness of their declaration, Okay. What is the cry of heaven's hearts? Here it is in verse 10. And crying out with a loud voice, they said this. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So, folks, this is the end goal, by the way. This is the real end of missions. Say, right here. Say, what what is it? What do you see there? Worship. That's what they're doing. They're giving the glory to God that He deserves. The problem so often is that we, we stop with us and somehow we get to thinking that all God doing, all that God has done and is doing revolves around who we are and what we need. But people are not at the center of it all. Why does God act doing all that He does? Now listen, I could take you through the whole scripture to show you this. I'll give you four verses, okay? Here's from Isaiah. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created. For what purpose? For my glory, whom I formed and made. Psalm 106. Yet he saved them. Why? For his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. Or as Jesus then prayed in the New Testament, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Ephesians 1, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Here's what God's doing in our salvation. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Now listen, to the praise of his glorious grace. That's what it's for, for the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So the ultimate cause of missions is not us, but really it's him. The pastor, I respect much, put it this way, a very memorable way. Missions exist because worship doesn't. That's why missions exist, because worship doesn't. What you see here in the book of Revelation, it's not a hypothetical. It's not a, well, if such and such happens, then this will be fulfilled, right? This is a vision of what will be. The gospel will triumph. So, So what then? Sit back and do nothing because God has determined it already? No. In all the weeks that we've been through covering is how does God cause his triumph, the gospel to triumph? Well, how? It's through us, right? Through those who love Jesus, they also want to see others love him also. So we keep telling others about him, right? And God gets more and more of the glory and praise. And so it is that the angels fall on their faces and say, blessing and glory and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might. Be to who? To our God forever and ever. One day missions will end, right? But not the reason for it. Okay, We will sing forever that salvation belongs to our God. The question is, what about you? Perhaps you need to open your heart to that fact today, that the Lamb was slain for you, so that you could give praise and honor to the God who died for you. Would you pray with me? And then we're going to join together because what God has given us here is just a taste. It's a taste of what will be. Father, thank you for a vision of what the end will be. Thank you for reminding us that your gospel is not just true, but triumphant. Therefore, we can have confidence as we go forth to tell other people about your name. Because what began as a small seed, the gospel of the kingdom has now blossomed. is now a tree in which people are taking shade all over throughout this earth. So Lord, broaden our vision. Help us to see what you're doing and to join you in that work from now until the day we are there. We pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Josh, that was a great message. Do you think so? <laughs> 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 um, you know, one thing that I, because I'm constantly crafting and thinking of, and trying to get be receptive to how the sermons come out at the end. Yeah. And um, one thing I want to keep at the foreground of my mind is that it's relatable. Um, oh, sure. I, it's easy for me, and I, I've heard this of many who have gone to Bible school and so forth, that it gets a little heady in terms of it's just, you know, it's all up in our mind, um, and how does it get to where it, I apply it to my life? Sure. How is it relatable to me? Yep. Um, and some are more so than others. It doesn't always mean um, there's going to be three points of application. Yeah. I hope it's applicable throughout and that there's points where you go, okay, yeah, I can see where I need to respond to that or, you know, do something in my life. Yeah. Um, But I really, I guess this message was kind of just to help us to see that um, missions begins and ends with worship.
0: I see. Yeah, that makes Um, sense. With
1: just adoration of who God is, a great love and passion for Jesus Christ and Him alone. And that's what ultimately drives people to serve Him anywhere and everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not obedience to the Great Commission, as important as that is, nor is it the fact that people need to hear the gospel to be saved and to not be condemned in hell, yeah, as severe as that is. yeah, and, But it's ultimately that we love God, we adore him, and therefore we're going to go where he sends us to go.
0: Yeah. I suppose you could say that for any volunteer position. You, you really, to volunteer for anything, you have to have a passion for mm-hmm. what is at, at stake or what's taking place. Yeah, right. Now, am not saying that every missionary is a volunteer position, but— mm-hmm. You know they have expenses, of course, but they, they're all passionate about it. You probably wouldn't be doing it if you if right. you didn't have that passion or that drive.
1: Right. That's what's going to keep you going mm-hmm. in the long run. Because sometimes you don't see a lot of fruit, sure, in your ministry, maybe in your lifetime even.
0: You gave us a teaser right before we got in the message that you had a final goal for us. Mm-hmm. Was that the goal?
1: Yeah, it's wrapped up in there which is to hear God's call which yeah. is was something I hope that our church would be receptive to. It's not like my 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 mind is completely shut towards missions. I will never do that. Right. Be careful about saying that. Right. Um I was someone who maybe didn't necessarily say that out loud, but it would never I never that allowed that to come into my mind oh, is that right? growing up.
0: Well, yeah. I was going I was going to talk to you about that a little bit. That's one of one of the things I wanted to get into with you here is you went to India right now just walk us through that you were you yeah. finished college at what point did you finish college and and what yeah. did, what did that whole path look like for you
1: yeah college I finished in uh 2008 mm-hmm. and uh, that was I went with the, with the mind and with the heart towards pastoral ministry because um, that's what I had been familiar with and my gifting was more in in terms of teaching and whatnot sure <laughs> so uh, I went to uh, hone those skills and to know my Bible well and kind of be prepared on that, on that track, on that line of thinking. Um, but having finished, um, when I left school and came home, I just had a really an unexplainable heart to want to see what God was doing outside of the U.S. Sure. Um, to be aware and to be involved in, in the Great Commission. And yeah. So I, beyond the fact that I just— it tells me it's a God thing, in that it never would have been on my mind prior to that.
0: Yeah. Uh, now, now, what does that look like? Was was it? Uh, I just want to go through the process for the sure for the eureka moment. Was it a moment, or was it a duration of time where you just kept on seeing, "This is the path I need to go down," or did you wake up one day and say, "This is what I got to do"?
1: That's a good question. I, I would say it was more of a a process of thinking about it. Yeah. But. um it was heavy on me. I mean, I was ready to go mm-hmm. before <laughs> before I was prepped to go. Yeah, um, and so I had to hold off a little bit and do it, you know, do it rightly and wisely. And, why? Why uh, did you hold off? What was the process of of the okay? Because you said it kind of yeah. You
0: wanted to go. You were chomping at the bit, right? But what caused you to kind of pump the brakes a little bit?
1: It, one, it was a learning experience for mm-hmm. me. It wasn't going to be something I was going to do. I wasn't signing up to do permanently. Mm-hmm. Um, but to get a taste for it and to be useful somewhere and uh, you know there there's opportunities out there um, but you want to make sure when you go about it that you're doing it in a way that's going to benefit you and benefit those that you're going with um, so what I came to find was that going through a missions organization that ah. already has roots and sure. things on the ground um, was a good path and they you know they have programs that, that will help you to um, learn yourself they're going to train you so they kind of take that up with you, and I walk you through it. And so I did that, and it was really, it was really good just to, to hear from them, and then know where I was going, and they could tell you all about, you know, the different places and different opportunities they had. Yeah. So I was able to think and pray on on those things. Yeah. And India was just the one that uh, just shined out in terms of. I could see myself fitting in there sure. and being useful in that span of a year. Yeah. You know, some places you go, it's like. Because a language barrier or a culture, you would need to really invest a lot of time to, yeah, you know. And it depends on what, what kind of needs they had. So they were working with college students. That was up my alley. Mm-hmm. And uh, English was widely spoken, and people were easy to talk to. So um, they had a church plant. So there were things that really um, were a draw to me in terms of, yeah, I could see myself really serving there.
0: How important is it in your mind to have a group of people around you, if you know that that you can share that that desire, that passion on the front end? Now I'm talking. Um, hey, I'm thinking about becoming a missionary or mm. going into missions at whatever level we're talking about. Uh, but then talking it through with those people to help give you a reality check or maybe help you go about it wise. Did you have people like that?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm, I did. I mean, my parents were there, of course, sure, and they spoke to me um, well on that, and uh, and then pastors of my church who I would relay things to a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there were there were many people um, with whom I spoke to about yeah. that, and so and it begins. I think if you do feel that, I think you just want to be active first of all in your church. You want to be sure. serving in all the ways you can, yeah, um, and then let that come about of its own, yeah, um, and that might begin. Like I know Nathan with the youth uh, has done, has a plan in mind to, to take them on a, a small missions trip, uh, probably yeah. a week or two. Yeah. Um, but I thought he began really well this year with just, let's do something local. And uh, if yeah. you can't serve this way, then maybe you're not ready to serve outside yeah. of here. So yeah. it's a process, you know, and you're showing commitment and availability and flexibility and so forth, all those things that are going to be useful later on.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. There's building blocks in that mm-hmm. step. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing he's doing that I think is wise is, you know, we've got this, uh, we've got this uh, event called dare to share. Mm-hmm. And I think that he makes that a prerequisite mm. to go on a missions trip. So what that, yeah. what dare to share is, is basically um, it's a conference. And I think they're doing it, uh, a teleconference this year. Yeah, they're not actually physically getting together, but it talks about, uh, Speaking the good news of Jesus Christ or sharing your testimony, yeah. And kind of, I think they practice it; they're yeah. able to actually get out and do it mm-hmm. because ultimately, you know, that's what you want to be able to do on a missions trip, and that yeah. gets some good practice. The so. sooner we
1: can break that shell and yeah. just be willing to open up and talk to people,
0: yeah. But it, as you said, it kind of tests the waters and mm-hmm. make sure that you are actually ready for it. Yeah. Now you have to be careful. I, I have to imagine when you start thinking about, okay, I'm, I'm interested in doing missions work to talk to those people. You know, as as we talked about. Some Mm -hmm. getting some wisdom in your life, Mm -hmm. but you need to think about who are those people that you can trust to have a real conversation with that will be able to give you advice, but Mm -hmm. not also be the person that's just going to say, no, you don't want to do that. Right. We all have those people in our life too, that just say, that's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Mm -hmm. No, this needs to be a discussion because is it ever a bad idea to be pursuing Christ and trying to spread his gospel? Right. It's not, but you still mm-hmm. need to be smart about it. So mm-hmm. you have to be, I imagine yeah. there's people you listen to and there's people you don't listen to. Mm-hmm. You need to be, you need to be careful about those people, Yeah. but also don't find the people that are just going to say, yeah, go. Mm-hmm. Don't even think, just go. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. I suppose there are missions where you can do that. We can say, God is prompting me. Here we go. But usually so slow and steady wins the race yeah isn't
1: it? yeah and you're gonna need um, some level of support yeah um, which most people probably don't have right off the bat yeah um, that might take a little time yeah and uh so yeah there's that and and uh yeah just yourself being ready and prepared and yeah need to give it time sometimes
0: let's talk about the you know we, we kind of at least in this last conversation we've been alluding to foreign missions mm-hmm you went all the way to, over to India. Right. But there are, for instance, our youth, you brought them up. Mm-hmm. They're doing local missions. They're mm-hmm. doing quite literally in our town missions. Yeah. There's a lot of missions opportunities that are somewhere in between that. Strictly yeah. local, strictly foreign. Mm-hmm. Well, there's stuff in the United States. There's people that need to hear about Jesus or need help. People that yeah. are hurting, that are hungry everywhere.
1: Right. I do want to make a, a different, I want to divide that line a little bit so we're not, so we're a little clear. Um, that there is a difference between what I would call frontier missions, sure, and domestic missions. Yeah, um, domestic being the gospel's already planted; it's already there's churches that are growing and doing the work of evangelism in their community. Yep, which is where we're at here, and you know, say Kirkoven or in most of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other places outside of the U.S. Um, in which there is no church, there is no Gospel witness or presence that we'd call that a frontier where there is nobody who is heard. Sure, and that's unfortunately there. Even a lot of the missionaries that we send out, they don't go to those places. They go to places where the gospel is already planted. I see, and they work to evangelize those areas, which is still a need. But what I don't want to forget about is those places that are just completely unreached. Yeah, Um, but no, we do want to encourage um, our own work here in the area. But we don't want to forget about the frontier and we don't want to forget about the There's a balance here.
0: is what you're saying. Right. Yeah. And there's. Right. I, I have to imagine it might be a personality thing or it might be a time of life thing. Right mm-hmm. now, I can mm-hmm. do frontier missions. Mm-hmm. No, right now, it's more reasonable for me to be doing domestic missions, as you put it, mm-hmm. or a personality thing. Yeah. I am doing missions sitting behind a microphone. Right. Technically, right? Mm Because we distribute this all over the world via the internet.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, that works out pretty handy for me because that's kind of my personality. Yeah. But someone else might find another avenue.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about one other item. Okay. You not only chose to become a missionary at one point in your life, you also chose to become a pastor. Mm. And we don't know who listens to this. So I just thought, let's ask the question here. When did you find out or when did you determine in your life that? This is the route I want to go to mm-hmm. become a pastor. What does yeah. that look like? You you might have a you know an eighteen year old youth listening to this right now that's mm-hmm. got that itching in the back of their mind. So jump yeah. into that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, let me jump to one passage that uh, will speak to that in the in the beginning stages, which I think is how it begins with almost everyone. First Timothy three, Paul writes. He said, "The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer." He desires a noble task, so there's this there's this aspiration that that um, that may be growing in your heart to serve the Lord in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it begins, I think, with this internal kind of calling that you feel that uh, God's given me a gift um, to teach, and uh, you may not be perfect at it, but you enjoy it. Um, you know, it seems to fulfill a longing in your heart. Sure. God's put, the, it seems to place that on you that you can't envision yourself doing anything else with your life. But then with that comes an external affirmation. So as you serve, as you teach and so forth in the context of other people, um, the church should come along and say, you know what? We see a, a gift in you. Sure. Um, and they encourage you by, you know, giving you opportunities yep. to use your gift, being a good critic for you. Yep. So you grow in those areas and, uh, and maybe just saying, you know what we, or maybe it's, we don't see this, you know, but, but we do see this, you know, so it, they might redirect you as well too. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's allowing um, the church to have that authority in your life as well. Yeah. So it's not just individual. There's part of that, that internal aspiration, but there's also that input from the believing community. That's that a good trust as well.
0: Well, that's a great answer. I, I, that's well considered, I guess. I, I got to believe that there's maybe two ends of the spectrum as far as uh, getting into it. And I'm, I'm going to pinpoint you on one of those two ends of the spectrum. But there's probably, I, I suppose there's some people that would be very confident. Yes, this is something I can do and I'm adequate at it. And then there's this other end of the spectrum that sees themselves as simply inadequate. How mm. can I possibly spread the good news of Jesus Christ? I'm a sinner. I don't have my act together blah, 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 blah. Add on, add on, add on. Yeah. I would put you in that just knowing your personality, you probably would have a tendency to say, no, I'm not ready for that. Mm. No, I'm inadequate. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yeah, for sure. How did you get over that? um, wow. Or maybe you get over it daily. (laughs) I don't know if you truly ever get over it.
1: Yeah. It, that can be a constant struggle. I think, um, feelings of inadequacy, um, Ultimately, you come back to the gospel mm-hmm. that God has already seen you and loved you, not based on what you do or how much you achieve or how good you are at it, yeah. but he sees you in his son. And therefore, you're already accepted by the Lord. Um, and nothing you can do can add to that or take away from that. Yeah. And so if you find your adequacy in Christ, which I think is a daily thing, um, then you'll have the strength and the motivation to to keep on and not give up um, despite... Setbacks and different things that happen. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's great. For those who just heard that whistle in the background, that is our, uh, that means it's lunchtime (laughs) (laughs) or dinner time. Yeah, or time to stop talking. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's that's, that's it. The producer of this podcast has just entered in a little. Okay, (laughs) that's enough. (laughs) There's examples all over the Bible of human beings who clearly are inadequate. Yeah. Clearly are not up to the task yet God uses them anyway. Mm-hmm. Can you can you think of any examples?
1: Yeah. For sure. I I well, I mean we could start with Paul. Yeah. Um someone who was just violently opposed to the church. Yeah. Um so he, you know, he hated Christians. He was
0: more than inadequate.
1: And he saw himself as inadequate. Yeah. Um I'm the least of all the apostles, and I'm the chief of sinners. And these were words that he used for himself. Yeah. But he came to see that that was God's grace in his life, and he became an example to really the rest of us, that yeah. if God could use someone like him, yeah. he can use anybody.
0: That's um, one of the beauties of the Bible, I think. In, in most cases, if you find those people that had a profound impact on the, the spreading of the good news of Jesus Christ, or no. you will also find in the Bible some of their mistakes. Mm-hmm. They show— Both the good side and the bad side, meaning Mm -hmm. these are humans. Yeah, these are human people. Right, it's all over in there. Right, Josh, we've talked about this before. Now this is kind of a teaser for the future. Okay, one of the things that we would love to do, and I'm going to say we, I'm implying that you're involved. Okay, but that is to talk to our missionaries. Mm. We did a little bit of that when we first started this podcast. You remember we had we had um, Kevin. From mm-hmm. athletes in action on, right and he's a missionary that's in Puerto Rico mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. So we have is it 26 different missionaries that we support from this church? It's a lot. it's a long list.
1: it is yeah
0: And I would love to be talking with those people both to give a missions update mm-hmm. but then also just where does what does the world look like from your point of view, where yeah. you're going? Who are the people you're coming into contact with? Mm-hmm. What do they think about Jesus? What gods mm. do they worship? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a never-ending—it Yeah, it, it could be very long. It could be. But one of the things I would love to do is just starting having a verbal conversation that is recorded so people can not only get an update through email from yeah. those people, perhaps, but they can actually hear this person's voice, yeah. hear the passion in their voice. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, you and I will bounce questions off of them and yeah. and uh, learn from them. And,
1: yeah. yeah. It, it certainly takes an effort from our part to know what's happening in their life. Yeah. Um, and I love the missionary letter, you know, and they're yep. most are pretty good about getting those out to us. Yeah, but whether or not we get around to reading it is another thing. Yeah, that's right. Um, so you know, having those missions updates in church is great, and if we can have this, you know, hearing their voice, it really um bridges that gap because it's easier to listen sometimes than it is to read.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> yep. That no, that's exactly right. And well, I guess I'm saying that is simply a precursor to yeah. This might just get sprinkled in every now and again. You'll yeah. see in our podcast feed, missions update or something like that. Yeah. And uh, that'll be what that's that's all about. That's good. And we're saying it here to commit ourselves to doing it.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> think we can make
0: it happen? <laughs> yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Josh, you want to end us in prayer
1: today? Yeah, absolutely. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the conversation we've had today. Um, and for all those who may be listening, Lord, uh, no matter where they're at in life, whether young or old or new to the faith or been around um, with Jesus for a long time. Lord, we pray that we would hear him fresh today, that we would be open to him and to the call that he puts upon us. And that may or may not be a call into missions or ministry full-time, but Lord, certainly you have laid a burden upon us and gifted us to serve your people and to be a witness to the world around us. So we pray that you would give us confidence uh, because we know that we are loved by you and nothing can take that away. And we would trust in you uh, for what you've you've called us to do. We thank you that uh, where we, you have put us, Lord, and there are people around us that need to hear and be encouraged by what you've spoken in your word. So, Lord, we're depending on you today. Strengthen us, help us. In Jesus' name, amen.